Lord. Turn your Bibles tonight to uh, Mark chapter 5. You know, teaching healing every Sunday night, every week, obviously there are only so many stories, examples, scriptures pertaining to healing that, uh, uh, that exist in the Bible. And so we certainly have to go over again and again some of the same stories. But I don't know about you, after um, being in the ministry for going on 40 years and um, working with people and helping people before that, for a couple of years before that, these stories still thrill me. I get more out of them now than the first time I ever heard them. So I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not careful to tell you that we're going to repeat things. I think that's what helps the Word take root in your heart. Amen? Well, let's look at one of these stories. There are a lot of great examples and uh, uh, illustrations of healing, or examples of healings. I don't mean to use the word illustration as uh, lack of reality. But there are a lot of uh, stories in the Bible about healing, but some of them are just really special. This is one of those. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, the original Greek word there is the word uh, dynamon. It's where we get our word dynamite from. It's talking about power, explosive power. Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. There's a lot of great principles and, and points that we can bring out from this story. But I want you to notice one thing. I want you to put two scriptures together. I want you to put Mark chapter 5 verse 34 together with verse 25. No, it's not 25. It's 28. Notice in verse 28, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 34 says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Well, then what she was saying was her faith speaking. If Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, and we see the action of her faith was that she began to say. One translation says she said continually. Now, the, the language doesn't help us out there. It could be either a short period of time or a long period of time the word or the tense of the word that's used in these scriptures really doesn't help us. But one scripture says, uh, one translation says, for she began to say, she began to say, she began to say. Well, if that's the way that it went, then the first time she said it, it didn't happen. That didn't discourage her. She kept saying. Again, the, uh, the translation says, she said continually. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, folks, there's a really important point here. We know that Jesus described this, the operation of faith most concisely in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. 
Jesus said concerning the cursing of the fig tree, the fig tree drying up from the roots. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He went on in verse 24 and said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So we know from Jesus' definition of faith that it involves speaking from your heart, not speaking out of your mind, not speaking according to what you see and feel, but speaking from your heart according to what the Bible tells us is truth. And the Bible says we have an advantage over the people that lived in Jesus' day because the people that lived in Jesus' day had to do something to get to him. Not so for us. We know the work has already been paid. The price has already been paid, I should say. The work has already been done. We know that by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. But here in this case, with the woman with the issue of blood, what she says is everything. Now, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 real quick. We may come back to Mark chapter 5. We'll certainly refer to it. But notice in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 34, it said, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I want you to notice that. That could very well be the thing that she heard. She meaning the woman with the issue of blood. It tells us when she heard of Jesus, she took action. She came in the press behind. For she said, in other words, she came to touch him because of what she said. She came in the press behind. She worked her way through the crowd because of what she said. Well, what did she say? She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, what would she have had to have heard about Jesus to speak in those terms? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, Romans ten seventeen says. So whatever created faith in her to receive her healing had to be based on something that she heard. She may have heard that Jesus was healing the sick or she may have heard something specific like we just read in Matthew chapter 14 where the sick touched the hem of his garment and they were made whole. I kind of lean toward that as far as possibilities are concerned. Because why would she have faith to receive healing by touching his garment if she hadn't heard that Jesus was healing in that manner? If she hadn't heard that people were being healed by touching his garment, how could she have faith for the same thing herself? See, the Bible talks more about Jesus healing the sick through the laying on of hands than anything else. Well, why didn't she say, if I can just get him to lay hands on me, I'll be healed? She's very specific in what she's believing for. And we certainly know that the word would have been out based on Matthew 14. The word would have been out for her to hear about people that were healed by touching the hem of his garment. There's an Old Testament prophecy in Malachi chapter 4 that talks about the Messiah to come. The last word of God that was spoken for some 400 years until Jesus came on the scene. Well, really, John the Baptist preceded him by a couple of years or one year at least. 
But one of the last things that it says about the Messiah in the Old Testament is that he'll rise with healing in his wings. That word that's translated from the Hebrew into the English as wings is talking about the tassels on the hem of his garment. Now, did the common man know that? I don't think there's any way for us to identify. But whatever she heard, whatever the woman with the issue of blood heard, it caused her to speak her faith. It caused her to speak her faith. And so she did. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Jesus said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Thy faith has made you whole. Now, let me ask you something. I want you to consider something maybe from a different perspective than what we normally take. But I want you to consider something in this story about the woman with the issue of blood. What's Jesus' part? What's Jesus' role in this healing event or healing incident? What's his part? Well, let's read it again from his standpoint. A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Up until this point, Jesus is doing nothing. Up until this point, Jesus has no part in this whatsoever. He has no role. Or maybe I should say it this way. The only role that he has up to this point is being a conduit for the power of God. But he had no foreknowledge of this woman. After he feels power going out of him and into her, she felt the power of God go into her. Jesus stops and looks around and says, who touched me? Why didn't he say, well, now there's a woman around here. Why didn't he even say beforehand? Why didn't he tell the disciples, keep your eyes peeled because there's a woman that's going to come and get healed. He had no foreknowledge of her at all. And so when he stops and turns around in, in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? The disciples are astonished. They said, master, the multitude throng is thee. They understood that he was looking for one person. It wasn't like there was a surge of healing power that went out and took care of the whole crowd. Now, folks, I got to tell you, I am fully convinced that there was more than just this one woman with the issue of blood that was sick in this crowd. If there wasn't, this is the first crowd Jesus has ever had where there's only one sick person. And since the multitude is thronging him, since the crowd is pressing on him from every side, since people are doing everything they can to reach out and touch him, the disciples are, are well schooled in this. They've got experience in this. When Jesus said, somebody touched me, the disciples' reaction is to the effect, everybody that can touch you is touching you. That's why we're being jostled around in this crowd. That's why people are pressing in on every side because everybody is trying to touch you. Now, here's my question. Why is everybody trying to touch you? There would be no reason for the crowd to press upon Jesus and jostle him and the, uh, the apostles around by trying to make contact with him if they had not heard some of the same things she may have heard. If they haven't heard that Jesus is the healer, why touch him? Even if he's a celebrity, and he was probably the greatest celebrity of his day, 
Why touch him? Jesus is used to people trying to touch him, reaching out to grab hold of him or his garment, maybe him, maybe his garment. He's used to this because he knows what people are after. He knows what they're trying to get. But Jesus did not stop when the crowd first started pressing upon him and saying, now, wait, 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 hold here just a minute. Let me tell you something. It won't do any good for you to touch me unless you touch me in faith. And he could have led him into a profession of faith right there. He could have stopped and preached to him a little bit about being sent of the Father to heal the sick. But he doesn't. He leaves it up to the individuals. And out of this whole crowd, there's only one person that touches Jesus and gets results. Only one. And that must be what the disciples are astonished at. We're supposed to find one person. Jesus looks around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, I don't know if she was in awe of the power of God or if she, if she was just afraid that if she didn't tell Jesus something bad might have happened to her. But this woman fearing and trembling fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now all the truth is everything we, start, we understand from verse 25 on. She tells about how she had this issue of blood 12 years. She tells about how she's gone broke spending all of her money on doctors. She tells him about how things are only getting worse and not better. Now that's really about as much as she needs to tell him because he knows what happened from there. He knows that somebody, her, once she identifies herself, this one person has touched him in faith and it changed everything about her life. Now, who did Jesus have the power of God upon him to heal? For whom is the power of God available on Jesus in Mark chapter 5 relative to healing? Well, we just read in chapter 30 or chapter 14 of Matthew. We just read that the whole crowd was healed by touching his garment. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, thank God he is. If Jesus is no respecter of persons, thank God he's not. Then the same thing that was available in Matthew 14 was available in Mark chapter 5. Healing was available for everybody in Mark chapter 14. So for God not to play favorites and be a respecter of persons, it would necessitate that everybody in the crowd of Mark chapter 5 that might have been sick had the power of God, the healing power of God available to them. But again, Jesus is not the activating agent. The people are. So Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. A crowd's following him, not unusual. Crowd bumping around, reaching out, trying to touch him, not unusual. What is unusual is that only one person got anything from it. And that was the woman that began to say, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That means not one other person, not another person in this crowd, however big the crowd was. You decide for yourself, we'd have to speculate. But however big this crowd was, there was nobody else that was operating in faith. They want something from him just as much as she did. But she was the only one to receive.
the only one. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now, we know the power of God healed her. We know the power of God that was resident upon Jesus went out of him. He felt it. He felt power go out of him and into somebody else. But Jesus credits her faith. Jesus credits her faith. Now, if she had been handpicked by God for Jesus to do something special for, instead of it being available for everybody else, then there's no way in the world Jesus could credit, could truthfully credit her faith as the thing that brought her healing. He would have had to in order to be truthful. He would have had to describe or identify that God put some special power or anointing on him just for her. But by virtue of the fact that he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole is proof that the individual's response or stand regarding Jesus and the, the willingness of God, in this case to heal, but in every, uh, in every situation, bless, deliver, rescue, and so forth. The responsibility was on her, entirely and completely on her. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, if it worked that way with Jesus, why would we expect it to work differently for us? Jesus had the spirit without measure. He had an unlimited supply of the power of God. Yet it was necessary for people to reach out in faith to take hold of it. It was necessary for the people to believe something. How do we know what they believed? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know what she believed by what she said. Well, if God never changes, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that would have to mean that it's still up to us. It's still up to mankind to take hold of what they want from God rather than waiting for God to do something for them. And folks, that is the one thing relative to, and of course it's relative to the will of God, the one thing that I see people doing and making mistakes in more than any other thing is that they're waiting for God to do something when God's waiting for you to do something. Perhaps, I don't know if we can make a general statement or not, but there had to be at least some in this crowd in Mark chapter 5 that's waiting for Jesus to do something to bring them the blessing, healing, or whatever that they need. And folks, that's pretty common. We all fall into that trap, I guess, or at least the devil tries to influence us to fall into that trap. Because there are so many people that are waiting for God to do what man was given to do. See, Jesus already did the work. Jesus paid the price for sin, sickness, and poverty. He's already done the work. I remember first time I heard Brother Hagin say this to somebody, it really shocked me. It wasn't really an uncommon thing, but it was the first time that I had experienced it. There was somebody that came to us after the service. He was hanging around after a service, and somebody came up to him and complained because they didn't get anything. They were in the healing line, but they didn't get anything. 
And so Brother Hagin started talking to them, trying to show them that they needed to believe something and give God something to work with. But they, either through lack of knowledge or, or whatever, they didn't understand what he was trying to get across to them. And finally, he looked at this woman and said, and I'm standing right there, he said to her, God's done all that he's ever going to do about your healing. Well, that stunned her. She tuned up and started a ball. You never heard somebody start crying so, so quick in your life. She started crying and then she said, you mean God's not going to heal me? And Brother Hagin said it again. He said, God's done everything he's ever going to do about your healing. See, he's trying to get her to realize that the work has already been done on God's end. So all that's left is for us to reach out and take hold of something by faith on our end. And folks, that's what the woman with the issue of blood did. She reached out and took something that she identified was given by God for the benefit of mankind. And, of course, I'm talking about his healing power. And since she was willing to take hold of it herself, not leave it upon Jesus, not put the responsibility on him, but to take responsibility on herself to receive what she needed from God, she was the only one in this crowd that got it. The only one. F.F. Bosworth had one of the greatest healing ministries that these United States have ever known. Before he retired from preaching, he would have thousands of people in city auditoriums and so forth that always have to try to find the biggest venue that was available for any town or city that they went into. And his ministry was a, uh, was a teacher. He would lay hands on people, but really God used him to teach healing more than any other way. And of all the people that were healed, the hundreds of thousands of people that have documented cases of healings that took place during his ministry, most of those people were healed by taking hold of God's healing power by their own faith. As I said, he would minister to sick. He would lay hands on people. But the real strength of his ministry would be the reports and testimonies that people would send in. And the report of the testimony would go something like this. We were part of your crusade in whatever city recently and we heard you teach healing and so we decided just to act on what you said and take hold of healing by faith and now my cancer is gone or leukemia is gone or whatever if you get the book Christ the Healer you'll find some of those testimonies recorded in the back of the book and it's just amazing staggering the number of people that were healed on their own faith through his ministry. Well, the Bible says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and the, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We saw some of that at working with Brother Hagin too. There's two examples that I'm thinking of. One was when we were in uh, Clearwater, Florida, and Brother Hagin was teaching ministering on healing in the morning or teaching on healing in the morning and then at night they'd be kind of all faith crusades but then there were certain nights where he'd minister to the sick too and there was a lady that was the mother of one of the singers that was part of the crew that uh, on this particular trip 
and she was facing some surgery. She had been diagnosed as having breast cancer, and they were waiting for her, and she kind of had to put it off because she wanted to be in the meetings before they did the surgery. And the second or third morning, wasn't real late in the, in the week, week long, week's worth of services, I mean, somewhere along the second or third day, Brother Hagin's teaching, preaching on healing, minding his own business, and all of a sudden there was somebody sitting in the back of the auditorium that just screamed for all they were worth. Well, that stopped everything. Brother Hagin stopped, looked to see what was going on, and this lady, who was one of the singer's moms, like I said, came running out into the aisle and started screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Well, Brother Hagin got a microphone and tried to bring her up to where he was, settle her down a little bit so that everybody could hear what was going on. And the short story is that she felt the healing power of God while she was sitting under the Word. And it caused a lump that she could certainly feel on her own to disappear. She wound up going back to the doctor a few days later, and the doctor confirmed that the tumor that was there, the mass that was there, was no longer there. They ran several tests on her, and as a result of the test and the examination that they undertook, they said, if we didn't have the charts and the x-rays to show us that you had had this, we never would have believed that you did. Well, Psalm 103, verse 20. Psalm 107, verse 20, excuse me. says, God sent his word and healed them. She was healed by hearing the word. She was simply healed by hearing the word. There was another case during a camp meeting that we held in Tulsa, one of the annual events that Brother Hagin's ministry had, still does. There was a lady that was from somewhere like Michigan that had come down for the camp meeting services specifically because she wanted to have hands laid on her to receive her healing. Well, at that particular time, we were using healing cards. And what we were trying to do, what we were trying to accomplish with those healing cards is to get people in several services during the week before they had hands laid on them. See, if you give people a chance to hear the word, it builds a greater foundation for them to receive their healing. So we devised a plan where somebody got one colored card or one numbered card for the first service that they were in. And the more services they were in, the numbers of the colors kept changing and so forth. So that when they finally did have the healing lines or the healing services, then the workers could un uh, identify how much they had been a part of or the services they'd been participating in earlier in the week. So she goes through the routine. She was coming to the, to the book table to change out the healing cards, get a new healing card every time she came to another service. And so the workers, myself being one of them, got to know some of the people during the week. And this was the lady that had said the first time she came around looking for that first healing card, the first time she came around, she said, I'm going to get my healing this week. You watch. She was speaking very confidently. But about midway through the week, Brother Hagen was teaching on healing, 
and he was teaching from Mark chapter 11. And so he was talking about, we know the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th verses, talking about the uh, having faith in God and what faith looks like and so forth, how faith operates. But he got on to verse 25. Now, I hope you know verse 25 of Mark chapter 11, and don't just stop with verse 24. But verse 25, after talking about faith works by speaking to the mountain, and faith works by when you pray, believe that you receive Jesus then said, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. That your heavenly father may forgive you your trespasses. And so she said, she told us later on, she said, when Brother Hagin said those words, when he read those scriptures, he, she said, I may have read them before, but I certainly wasn't impacted by them like I was today. She said, when Brother Hagin said those words, I knew exactly what I had to do. Well, it seems that she and her brother had had a falling out over the death of her, their mom some way or another. And so with the, the will and the inheritance and all that kind of stuff, they wound up being at odds with one another. That's not real uncommon, you know. But they hadn't spoken in several years. And it was all over the money thing. So she was staying in a, a, a downtown hotel just pretty close to where the convention center was where they were having camp meeting. And she went out to a pay phone, uh, a, a phone booth where they had pay phones. Anybody remember pay phones? So she went to this pay phone and somehow or another got the number for her brother. I don't know if she had to call somebody else, third party to get it or whatever it was. But she took the time that it took to call her brother and he answered the phone. And she identified herself and first thing she said is, I want you to forgive me because this thing with mom's will or whatever it was, it divided us and I shouldn't let that happen. Well, he responded and said, that's the strangest thing. I've been thinking about you for the last couple of days. I was going to call you and say exactly the same thing. And so she said, well, no, this is all my fault. And he said, no, it's not all your fault. It's my fault. So they argued back and forth and finally agreed to take 50-50 responsibility so they didn't get in another fight. But they, she cleared things up as best as possible. They made plans to get together sometime in the near future. And she left the phone booth and walked across the street to where her hotel was. And she laid down, mid-afternoon maybe, something like that. She laid down, took a nap. And when she woke up, it took her a few moments to realize it, but every symptom had disappeared. And she was healed by the power of God. She came back to the book table and told us what happened. She said, I was looking so forward to Brother Hagin laying hands on me to receive my healing. She said, I'm almost disappointed that I didn't have that chance now. But she was completely healed. Now, folks, let me tell you something. She didn't have to do one thing about her faith she didn't have to change her confession she didn't have to believe something she hadn't been believing before she just simply had to remove the obstacle that was keeping her faith from producing results at least final results here's my point just like people are healed by hearing the word and reaching out by their own faith or with their own faith to take hold of what the bible says is theirs 
in the same way, if you'll remove the obstacles that keep your faith from working, receiving from God's an easy thing. It's an easy thing. God didn't make it hard. He made it easy. He made it simple. And the word of God, the gospel of what Jesus paid the price for, the substitutionary work that he took part in for you and for me, the work's already done. It's already done. All we have to do is reach out and take hold of it. He made it easy enough knowing who we are, knowing we couldn't have handled something complicated. He made it easy enough for anybody and everybody to receive. When this woman heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And Jesus said unto her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. The Lord used this, uh, uh, these scriptures in Mark chapter 5 to help Brother Hagin along when he first received his healing. One of the things that, that Brother Hagin was struggling with was whether or not God still heals today or whether or not it's his will to heal everybody. 16 years of age, bedfast. He didn't know of any, script or any churches or pastors that preached on healing, but he had already seen a few scriptures that would indicate that healing might be available. But he didn't have anybody to teach him. He didn't have anybody to confirm that it is God's will to heal. And so after making several attempts to get somebody to, to tell him, some minister or some pastor to come, he was completely disappointed because the only pastor that did come told him that he'd be dead in a few days and it'd all be peaceful then. But the Lord spoke to him. It shattered Brother Hagin. He said he cried for two or three days straight. After he got all cried out, then the Lord started speaking to him. And here's what the Lord asked. The Lord asked him about these scriptures in Mark chapter 5. He said, did you ever notice that it was her faith that made her whole? And Brother Hagin said, no, I didn't notice that. And then the Lord asked him this. Have you ever heard anybody say that faith's been done away with? Well, his church experience was certainly limited, but he thought back to everybody he had heard preach or teach any part of God's word. He said, no, I've never heard anybody say that faith's been done away with. And the Lord answered him again on the inside, and he said, and you never will. He said, for it says in my word, he's talking about he, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. And the Lord said, if faith was done away with, then nobody could be saved. There would be no church. There would be no redemption. And then he asked him the one thing that got him on the right track. The Lord said, after asking, did you see that it was her faith that made her whole? The Lord said, if her faith made her whole, then your faith can make you whole. And that changed Brother Hagin from looking for somebody else to help him 
to come into the place where he took hold of it on his own. He didn't get a hold of it right away. There were still some other pieces to the puzzle, other things that he had yet to learn. But it was one of the greatest revelations he said he ever received concerning healing. No matter who claims that healing has been done away with, folks, faith will never be done away with. And if her faith made her whole, then our faith can make us whole. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true. These are not just fairy tales, but truth. It sounds so good to us, Lord, that it makes us wonder, can it really be true? But thank God you are the God that's more than enough. Thank God it is true. Thank God Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. If we were healed, then I was healed. If we were healed, then we are healed. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us into the reality of our healing. Thank you, Lord, that we are made whole by our faith in that which Jesus paid the price for. So we say we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the doctor's report is, no matter how we feel, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Thank you, Father. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to know, in spite of the things that are taking place in our body, in spite of circumstances or symptoms, it's so good to know that Jesus has finished the work. He has finished the work of healing. So we thank you, Lord, that the prayer of faith has healed us and that you, Lord, are raising us up. Our faith is giving substance to our healing. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.